When you know what you want for the future, you need the present to line up with your goals. UCF Online offers more than 100 fully online programs in healthcare, engineering, criminal justice, and more, so you can get to your future and beyond. From the University of Central Florida's Center for Distributed Learning, I am Tom Cavanaugh. And I'm Kelvin Thompson. And you are listening to TopCast, the teaching online podcast. Hello, Kelvin. Hello, Tom. How are you? I am well. Thank you for asking. It is a Friday that we are recording this, and it's late on a Friday. What reason do we have to not be grateful? Well, it depends on how long the to-do list is. <laughs> for the <laughs> weekend? completed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a long list. But, but other than that... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, I have my optimism mug, so I'll keep drinking oh, cool. the optimistic coffee. That's right. Be, be an optimist. And um, <laughs> look, I know we talk about the weather a lot. Mm-hmm. It, is, uh, it is deep in the heart of February as we were recording this. Mm-hmm. And there are people around the country who are you yeah. know, hibernating for the winter. And that's true. Um, man, oh man, is it nice out today. It's like it's it's maybe too warm for me right now for this time of year. We're 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 bordering on it. I was enjoying the the coolness, but you know who am I to complain just because it's know. bumping eighty degrees Fahrenheit outside? It's like yeah, it's like seventy five degrees and sunny and little puffy white clouds. Oh my gosh, it is perfect Chamber of Commerce day. Yes, sorry, <laughs> folks in Minnesota, <laughs> Buffalo. But we love you. When when we next have a job opening, you really should consider relocating to Florida. <laughs> I always put it in what I tweet and <laughs> post around because it is a, it is a selling point. Mm-hmm. Of course, not in August. In <laughs> February it is. We don't tell people that. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, cool. Well, I, I don't think we want to sit around gabbing about the weather for the whole episode. So we got, we got business to talk about. And mm-hmm. maybe the first thing that we need to talk about is what's in my coffee cup. What came out of your thermos and into mm-hmm. my class mob cup? Yes, class mob. Today's coffee, Tom, comes to us from Black Gold Coffee Roasters in Venice, Florida. And this coffee is interesting. It is technically a blend, but it is all from Brazil and actually all from the same small coffee farm. They call those, uh, I learned, sitios in Brazil, like site. Uh, sitios. So coffee from all of these various sitios in Brazil is referred to as, uh, I don't know how you say this, I, I would say legender or lehender or le- I'd say something. It looks like legend with an er. Like it's all one thing. But each sitio farms its coffees individually and might be identified in the name of the coffee also. So this coffee we're drinking is called Sitio Arari. And it's a mix of two different coffee varietals. We've talked about varietals before. This is yellow katura and yellow katuai grown and harvested together, grown together by a coffee grower named Ararai Bernandez, his wife, Sandra, and their two sons, Marco and Pedro, in the southeast of Brazil. Little farm, little family, all the way to your cup. How is the coffee? And can you find a connection in that dark coffee liquid to today's episode topic? Uh, I like the coffee. Thank you. Um, you do stru- brew a strongish cup of coffee, but that's okay. It's good. Um, 
I'm 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 not as good with the connection. Um, I know what we're talking about today, and it's Always not hopeful. Brazil. It's not Brazil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. So I was thinking about uh, the contrast between the large scale Brazil legender, legender, whatever, versus individual components such as this Sitio Arari. And I was thinking of the impact of the individual mm. on large scale potential efforts. Okay. I was thinking about that. I don't know. Does that help? Yeah. The, the second part, I think I get maybe a little bit more. So mm-hmm. yeah, the, the power of the individual. Um, and that, that makes some sense because we, we've got an, in, an interview with an individual today who's had quite a bit of impact around here. And you and I are both big giant fans of this person. He is a, a UCF professor. So mm-hmm. Kelvin, you recently interviewed Dr. Changzhu Chen. Dr. Chen is an assistant professor of physics here at UCF, and he's a frequent collaborator with us here at the uh, Center for Distributed Learning. Mm-hmm. His passion for ensuring learning effectiveness in collaborative work with CDL has led to 13 peer-reviewed papers and a National Science Foundation Career Award. Mm-hmm. Other aspects of Dr. Chin's work have been featured by the American Association for the Advancement of Sciences, Improving Undergraduate STEM Education Initiative, and on their website to disseminate his ideas more broadly. I'll also add that um, when we hosted Bill and Melinda Gates, when they visited us a couple years ago, uh, I made sure that we got Dr. Chen to be one of the featured faculty. And I, I stood him up in front of Bill Gates and had him give a presentation because yeah. he's just awesome. And the work that he's doing, that he'll, he'll touch on some of this in the interview, yeah. is, um, is just really thoughtful and, yeah, um, yeah big fan. And uh, yeah. I, I, I think Bill Gates liked him too, as, as he should have. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So anything you want to you wanna add to that intro of Dr. Chen um, before we get into your, your interview? No, I, I agree with what you said, and I'll, I'll save anything else uh, till after uh, we cut to the interview. All right. So through the magic of podcast time travel, here is your interview with Dr. Chen. Chen, so glad to have you join us on TopCast today. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Calvin. Oh, you're quite welcome. Now, we should probably comment uh, for our okay. listeners, right, yeah. that um, I just called you Chen, and, and that's kind of like your, your, you know, whatever, you know, nom de guerre around uh, UCF um, for the last five years that I've known you. Um, right. I've been practicing your given name, but so few people use it, because uh, right. I think so few people say it correctly. Uh, it's like, Chung Cho, Chen. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. Chung Cho is my first name, but... Yes. Uh, you know, I tell everybody to call, and my students to call me Chen. They call yes. me Dr. Chen anyway, and it's yes. much easier. Yeah. Yes, yes. So that's hence the welcome, Chen. Uh, we're <laughs> glad to have you here. And, uh, you. you know, I, I have uh, been looking forward to you joining us. Um, as you know, because uh, we've talked about it, we've, we've had uh, occasional dabbles into um, conversations about the integration of digital teaching and learning, kind of the mm. intersection of that with the mm. STEM disciplines. And um, it's, a, it's an ongoing conversation. And mm-hmm. I think several of the folks we've had previously have kind of all tilted toward engineering. Mm. Um, you know, you're from the sciences and physics. Uh, mm-hmm. So we're trying to diversify, you know, cover the whole STEM acronym right. at some point. But right. if you don't mind, I thought um, I might 
kick us off with something I heard, I think I get this right, something I heard you say just today uh, mm -hmm. in a meeting we were both in, I think you said something along the lines of, I am the least physics-y physics professor right. you're likely to meet. And I right. was, one, I wanted to validate that that's what I heard you say, and two, yes. I wonder if you would just explain and expound what you mean by that. Well, if you give any kind of high-level physics exam to the entire physics department, then I probably score the lowest. Uh, <laughs> unless you give a, a exam specifically on introductory mechanics, then I might score high, um, because I did my research is not in any physics, real physics field. I do learning analytics. Uh, I'm half stat statistician. Well, I'm a third statistician, a third uh, data scientist, uh, a third instructional designer. I'm a mix of multiple roles. Yeah, yeah, that that all rings true with me <clears throat> in terms of my of my uh, awareness of, of of your work. That all makes sense, and I think there's probably helpful context for for our listeners. But you know, mm -hmm. my experience of you has uh, you care uh, deeply about um, mm -hmm. your students learning and you are pushing that boulder uphill every day trying to figure out how to innovate in um, persistent ways uh, through all through all those areas you just mm -hmm. touched on right uh, uh, data yeah. and um, uh, analysis of different kind of things you work with our developers all kinds of stuff but mm -hmm. you mind if I ask how did you get into kind of that line of that trajectory in your field? Uh, as opposed to more of like a traditional um, physics or, or even, you know, just pure science kind of orientation. Yeah, no, well, uh, it was a long story. Um, so um, I always had this passion for teaching, had the passion for student learning. Um, I was lucky enough that uh, back in the uh, University of Illinois, when I first went to pursue my PhD in biophysics and didn't really like it, there was this uh, burgeoning group of physics education researchers. They were researching multimedia learning at the uh, back then, and mm -hmm. I immediately uh, liked what they were doing and convinced myself that uh, you know you'd rather do something that you like and ha is passionate for then do something that looks glamorous, but you actually hate it, right? And um, and and I told myself, look, Chen, um, you're not very successful in biophysics, anyways. Why not, why not try another direction? <laughs> and, uh, you know, very, very true. Truth is that my talents. Uh, you only can have this amount of talent, and and my talent is not all in computer simulation of molecules. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm very good at you know, standing up and doing public speeches and talking mm -hmm. to people and explaining things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so I decided to switch in that field. And then uh, after that, I was doing, uh, you know, physics animation. And after that, I went into, uh, I was fortunate enough to have a postdoc position at MIT, which was back in 2011, 2012, when MOOC became a thing, mm -hmm. massive mm -hmm. open online courses. And, mm -hmm. uh, uh I was involved in all of that, which got me into big data, educational big data. Uh, and a lot of the ideas of, you know, the one course for a large scale and sharing of learning resources, which I think is the most valuable, one of the most valuable things that you can do uh, 
um, at that time. And then, and, and then I landed at UCF and uh, found out that there's Center for Distributed Learning that occupied the giant un, uh, underground space of the library. <laughs> <laughs> and I met wonderful people like you and Francisca and instantly started, you know, the chemistry was instant. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, our, our developers love you. I think, I think they've adopted you uh, into the extended family. Um, yeah. you've, got, you've guided uh, the work of um, some of our, um, uh, the development of some of our uh, learning platforms and, mm -hmm. you know, and every challenge you throw at them, they, they, they sink their teeth into it's, it's, it's great. It's a great collaboration. <laughs> it's a great collaboration. I hope I don't cause them too much problem. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I, th I think they, they'd be happy to work with you full time, yeah. I, I think, but you know, but I, I, we, we said, no, no, we're going to work with other, other faculty as well. Yeah. Um, you know, I wonder, uh, Tom and I have talked about this um, mm -hmm. in past episodes, the, I don't know what the right word is, the disconnect, maybe I'll say, mm -hmm. um, that we have perceived and maybe some others, you know, kind of in the, I don't know what we'll call online education professionals space, mm -hmm. um, the disconnect that we sometimes perceive between like the work of you know, intentionally designed online or blended digital courses mm -hmm. and the priorities of STEM faculty. Um, do you think that's a real thing? I mean, do you, do you see a disconnect there? I mean, you are like this prototypical example of somebody who is in, this, in a STEM field and, and integrally um, mm -hmm. connected to teaching and learning and digital teaching and learning. But right. do you, when you step back, do you see that kind of a disconnect that some of us uh, see? And, and if so, why do you think it is? And if not, why do you think we perceive it? Now, let me ask a cl quick clarification mm -hmm. question. Sure. Do you mean the disconnect between online learning platforms and STEM fields or existing online learning resources and how we teach in the STEM classroom? Well, that's a good question. Uh, and I guess I was particularly thinking about the, the like, I don't know, people like me or Tom, mm. Um, mm -hmm. or some of our core audience, you know, and kind of our work that we do every day, right. instructional designers and, right. and uh, the, you know, some of our developers, like what we're trying to aspire to mm -hmm. with digital teaching and learning, and um, STEM faculty who in, um, at our institution and mm -hmm. in many others that I've talked mm -hmm. to, you don't see as many STEM mm -hmm faculty engaging with right. folks like us, you know, like right. online courses, online programs, th those kind of, that's, that's, that's the kind of disconnect that I mean. Right. Well, um, I, th it, it seems to me personally, I think the core of the problem is not that people don't want to talk to each other. The core of the problem is nobody has any time, especially in STEM fields. Um, because everybody is so busy with reinventing the course and mm -hmm. uh, the if this is the one thing that I keep telling people, the efficiency of the education system, uh, regardless of whether it's STEM field or not, is very, very low because the barriers for collaboratively designing instructional resources is and sharing instructional resources is really, really high. So 
you know, ideally, I want it to be, I've, I've developed all those materials and I want it to be perfecting them over and over again. But first, what I had to do, I had to record all my lectures. Mm -hmm. There are lectures all over the place, but they're so disorganized that I have to, you know, the best, the easier way, rather than finding different videos on YouTube and putting them together, is to record my own, own uh, mm -hmm. video lectures. And then once I get rid of lecturing, do I have some time to say, okay, I'm come back, going to come back and develop those learning resources um, and have time to and motivation to, you know, collaborate with instructional designers, collaborate with developers and that kind of things could happen. Otherwise, instructors just have so little time. They're so busy creating this quiz, designing, mm -hmm. uh, answering students that questions and, and all that kind of thing. So we really need to improve the efficiency. I don't know if I brought the topic in a direction that you weren't intended to, uh, but I think that is the core of the problem right now. Yeah, uh, that's helpful. Thank you. So time and uh, efficiencies that would mm -hmm. maximize Right. Time. Yeah. And, and collaboratively coordinated creation of instructional resources. That's probably one of the most valuable things that I think could happen to uh, transform STEM education using digital technology. Mm -hmm. Well, let me pull on that thread just a little bit. If you were to, I don't know, uh, have some sort of magical powers or superpowers mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the ability to manifest like uh -huh. your kind of ideal vision uh -huh. Uh -huh. of um, digital teaching mm -hmm. and learning mm -hmm. in your own teaching mm -hmm. practice and in your field, mm -hmm. what would it look like? What would, what would that ideal state ah. look like? Ah, that's the question that I've been trying to get you to ask me. Success. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, my vision is this. So there are three parts. One is collaborative creation and sharing of learning resources. <clears throat> Instructors who teach the same course form a team, and we have uh, we build a library of instructional resources. I think the right granularity would be learning modules, and we each put them together into our own course, like Lego blocks, and have students you know enjoy that. And we ourselves sit back and teach, not in the classroom, but in a coffee shop. Okay, my dream job is to teach students who have went through the learning modules and had problems and come to me and I sit in a coffee shop, have coffee with them, engage in physics discussion. And then after the discussion, I go back and I add learning modules, I perfect them. This is one thing. And second, what needs to happen is assessment reform, which means that they don't need to come into a big classroom at a given time, at a given place. Um, it's almost like you are being called to testify before your faculty, before your professor, as if you had done anything criminal. No, when you're, whenever you're ready, you should go in. Uh, whenever you're ready on a topic, you should go in and there should be a proctored test, a very short proctored test and data-driven test that we only need to test you on these things. And boom, you're done with that topic. And you have some flex. You have a much larger amount of flexibility because every semester, I got people whose family members pass away, who had real difficulties, and we've been through COVID, right? And all these people 
are dedicated and want to put in the time, but I had to go through so much trouble giving them the proper assessment. Okay, assessment reform. And the last piece is hierarchical student feedback, by which I mean I can only teach like 10, 20 students well. If it gets to 50, there are some people that I'm mm. going to lose contact with. But mm-hmm. if I can teach these 10, 15 people, and then these people go and spread out the give human feedback to mm. another 10, 15 people and exponentially grow, that we can build a system that is really uh, scalable and effective. And if we get all those three, shareable learning resources, uh, flexible assessment, and hierarchical human feedback, let's call, call it, mm-hmm. we would have, you know, that's my dream world. Mm-hmm. I, I will start opening a Chen's physics coffee shop and enjoy my, I'll quit research and just do this coffee shop. Quit research as a full-time job. And I, I, I'd come in and I'd go for the coffee. I'd, I'd go for the coffee. And <laughs> Not the physics? I, I might learn something about physics yeah. along yeah, the way. Yeah, exactly. As long as, exactly. The, long as the coffee's, as long as the coffee's good. I think that's good. I mean, what a, what a, uh, what a cogent uh, articulation of a of a of a of an aspirational vision! How far away do you think you are? We are from that. What are the what are the what's the next step toward yeah. that vision? Yeah, right, right. I I I really don't know. Sometimes I feel uh, frustrated because what I can do as a faculty, as a single faculty, even with the excellent support from Center for Distributed Learning, is fairly limited. Mm-hmm. Uh, and which is one of the reasons I I really wanted to be in this podcast, which make to make my voice heard. And I really mm-hmm. wanted to find other ways to make my mm-hmm. voice heard and find people who have similar visions and come up with mm-hmm. a. Big Bigger, more coordinated vision to make those fundamental changes. Right, we're making we're making bit by bit progress. I designed learning modules, and I'm trying to demonstrate that learning modules is a better way than you know creating a whole online course. And we can really analyze student data and know, track students' performance. And we're do- doing it bit by bit. Um, but a critical you know uh, piece that needs to happen is that uh, you know we, we we need to be in this bigger effort, more and more people, I hope more and more people can join the effort. Well, as we wrap up, do you mind if I ask this? Uh, mm-hmm. If our listeners were intrigued uh-huh. and or if they were to share this episode right. with um, uh, their physics or other STEM-related colleagues uh-huh. Uh-huh. Who, who were intrigued by that, by that vision, yeah. would you be open to people... Uh, reaching out to you via email, oh, what would you li- what would you like? Absolutely, any any method, email, uh, LinkedIn. Uh, I don't use Twitter that much, but if you really want, I handle that. And also, let me say, it's not just instructors. We have instructor. You mentioned instructors. You mentioned um, STEM faculty. The mm-hmm. other important thing. Developers. I'm going to sound like Steve Ballmer in that famous video. Developers, developers, developers. We need people who know how to code, who can build the infrastructure that let STEM ed- education faculty and researchers realize their design. We have a lot of great ideas, and those require a certain amount of you know computer coding. Um, knowledge and skill, right? And coder and, and programmers are really getting expensive those days. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, that is, is, is a great 
aspiration and a great mm -hmm. call to action and maybe yeah. a, a good place to leave it for right now. I think we ought to have you back, Chen, and, and talk more about related topics and I, uh, not even just how we're doing on this, although that would be right. a good follow-up as well, but other things. But it's been a delight, as always, to, to, to chat, talk with you and to have you on the podcast today. It's been great talking to you, and thank you so much for the opportunity. Well, Kelvin, that was your interview with Dr. Chen. Yep. He's great, right? He is. He is great. Uh, um, and we've been working with him in various capacities for, for a couple of years and um, have gotten to kind of know him and his work and his emphasis on kind of physics education, which just really resonates with, with me and I think all of us here at, at CDL. He's got a lot of fans, not just with you and me, but you already touched on this with some of the mm -hmm. team that would wouldn't mind yeah. working with him a lot more than they already do. And yeah. he's got them on grants. He's actually funding some of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, he's, he's, he's great. And, uh, you know, we, we haven't even touched on, he, he's, he's advised us on different groups and helps evaluate projects. And, you know, he, he's, he's wonderful. It is just, just, you couldn't ask for a, a better collaborator, but can I throw an interesting, I, I was thought I remembered this right, but I looked it up earlier today. You know, here's, here's an interesting point. While Chen is credentialed, technically, to teach fully online and reduced seat time blended courses at UCF, do you know that he's only taught in-person or face-to-face -face courses here up until recently? I think this very semester. So I would call that an example of digital learning that is not being contained to online and blended modalities. I mean, everything that he's talked about, all that passion, all that vision, you know, for, for doing things differently, transformatively via digital learning does not involve online and blended. It's, it's, it's really, you know, per se, it's fascinating. Yeah, I don't know if I realized that. I thought he taught blended, but maybe not. You know, he's got one, what we call an M course here mm -hmm. uh, this semester. Everything else, uh, technically not. Isn't no that interesting? Kidding. It is really he's credentialed. He, he could yeah. do the. He could do he it. Could. He's he's been through the training. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he gets it certainly. He in a in a deep molecular level, he mm -hmm. kind of gets it. Absolutely. Um, and you know, and he's pushed us uh, to to improve the like the tools that we've made. Yes. Because he's used them in these face to face classes. That's right. He, this we've got a kind of a learning object development tool that we've built. We've talked about it before. It's called yep. Obo Jobo, mm -hmm. and um, it it's pretty robust. When he got a look at it, he said, yeah, uh, <laughs> let's make better. it more. Yeah, yeah let's make right. it more robust. And so he's really helped us to build out sort of the reporting and the data yeah. analytics that are behind it. And and that's part of what he's funded uh, us through grant work to, to to keep pushing the envelope on it. And it's it's been amazing. Yeah, he's been great. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to know what else to, to talk about. I mean, we could talk all day about him. Um, do we want to talk uh, a moment about this uh, this vision that he said he'd been trying to con convince me to ask about for a while? You know, um, if I understood it correctly, there were three major components, but then there was sort of a soft fourth component, I think. He talked about these um, reusable and collaboratively developed uh, learning modules. Um, he talked about... Uh, assessment reform, changing the way that assessment takes place, and tied to that his, uh, his coffee shop conversations. Uh, and then he talked about this 
hierarchical student feedback, which I thought of as kind of like train the trainer, like instructor provides feedback to 10 or 15 students who then pass on individually feedback to another 10 or 15 students and so on and so on and so on. So those are the three. But then he clearly talked about the importance of developers, uh, which I think is a secret sauce kind of a thing. We have another faculty member who said, I, th I forget exactly how she said it, but she said something like, CDL, the Center for Distributed Learning, brings faculty dreams to life, and she meant our developers. <laughs> she meant, yeah. she meant yeah. our developers. Yeah, I thought that was interesting, too, because I don't know if I'd actually ever heard him articulate that like that. Um, He's been trying to get you to ask, Tom. I guess so. I'll, I mean, sheesh. I'd be happy to ask him that question. Go have coffee with him and, and right. just listen to him for a while. Um, yeah, I thought that was a really interesting kind of uh, picture he painted of, of what could be. And, and I think we've got elements of that. Obviously, maybe not in the complete package that he's talking about. You know, another thing that he talked about, too, that I think is kind of wrapped up in this is this idea of faculty collaborating to mm -hmm. build these reusable assets. You know, that, I mean, that, that was the first one you mentioned, these reusable mm -hmm. modules. But it wasn't mm -hmm. just for him. It was right. for the department. Yes. And having faculty work together right. on that. I think that that could potentially you know, has the potential to scale a lot more mm -hmm. than, hey, this is a cool thing that Dr. Chen is doing yep. in his, no, right. you know, three courses this semester. Yep. But, you know, it's a way to kind of expand that goodness out across maybe a whole department and maybe across mm -hmm. a whole major, which would be really cool. Yeah, for sure. And I think he's absolutely serious. You know, when I asked him if he was okay with our listeners or with... Um, uh, STEM colleagues that our listeners pass this along to, uh, if he was open to being contacted about this and, and trying to figure out how to uh, move it forward, and he said yes, I th he's, he means that. So we'll put um, we'll put his uh, uh, biographical sketch, which contains his uh, contact information. We'll put that in the show notes, so you all should uh, reach out to him if you're interested, for sure. Yeah, maybe have coffee. <laughs> Digital coffee. Digital coffee, yeah. That's yeah. Right. Now, I thought that was interesting, too, that, that he sort of has this vision of, of learning beyond the classroom yeah. in many ways. And that is, is very much attuned to the kind of the, the digital learning ecosystem that, that we're, we're a big part of. Yeah, I was thinking, Tom, that um, I've been... Uh, post-remote instruction during the ongoing pandemic response, you know, we've talked about on here, we've talked about with other colleagues, other places, that, you know, there's a more interest, it seems like, uh, from folks who had eschewed online and blended before um, coming into that fold. I've sometimes more recently started referring to as uh, newcomer STEM faculty. You know, there's STEM faculty who've been around for a long time, but newcomer STEM faculty to online and digital. But a lot of that has been, okay, I started using these digital tools during remote instruction. I'm interested in doing more, continuing that. But that's light years different from Chen's aspirational vision. Yeah. He is on a whole other plane from that, I think. Would you agree yeah. with that? No, I would. I, I just, I can't help but keep thinking back to the, to the kind of the presentation he gave to, to Bill and Melinda Gates. And it was sort of framed in what he called the, kind of like a, uh, in a catchy sort of way, a, a 4K vision into student learning. 
I'm uh -huh. probably not doing it justice, I'm yeah, sort of right. paraphrasing, but yeah. it was 4K was part of the title. Uh -huh. And his idea was to just leverage analytics to really understand what worked, what didn't mm -hmm. work in the instruction, and, and iterate on an on a almost real-time basis to just make sure you're being as absolutely effective as possible, leveraging the data. Yeah. And I, I, was just, I was just so impressed by just the way he was thinking, because not all faculty have the I don't want to say that they don't think like this, but a lot of them just don't have the time to yeah. devote to that kind of exploration. But because he's in charge of physics education, mm -hmm. he can sort of, that is his mm -hmm. research, and he can, mm -hmm. he can really dig into it, and, I, and I, I just thought it was fantastic. And he's got those data skills, right? I mean, he, he does think that way, uh, because even though our platform that he's helped influence the development of is, as I've called it before, datalicious, even though it is, it's not, uh, it's not dashboard data friendly. He's got to pop the hood and extract data and manipulate it himself, but he's done that. I mean, I've seen you know, his uh, papers and poster sessions which have gone into all these analyses that he's done. So he's, he's working it, but he's, yeah. he's squeezing that, uh, that fruit to get the juice out every bit of every drop that he can. And, and that's impressive. He's really quite passionate about student learning. Yeah, so may you, dear listener, uh, have a Dr. Chen on your campus. Mm -hmm. uh, I hope you do. He, he, I'll, I'll give him credit too in that he recognizes how awesome we are. <laughs> <laughs> so he's for, obviously a person of impeccable judgment. Obviously, yes. Uh, so uh, I, I will say that with all humility um, that, uh, that, that he, he early in his tenure here at UCF kind of recognized the, the resource that CDL is and, and dump, jumped in with both feet and said, yes, uh, let's, let me get the most out of this thing that I possibly can. Mm -hmm. And we'd be happy to do that with every single faculty member who wants to do it. Yeah, no, no doubt. Well, should I, should I try to wrap this up and get us on the ground? Let's do it. So perhaps in closing, we'll say there is power not just in an, in an individual faculty visions, but in a collective faculty vision and digital learning, the people, the tools, all that stuff, digital learning can add further momentum to the power of such vision. So STEM teaching and learning can be transformed for the better if we all work toward this common goal. How's that? Sounds good. Sounds good. Agreed. Amen. Thank you, Dr. Chen. Uh, for for agreeing to be on TopCast. And, and Kelvin, thank you for the coffee. Um, mm -hmm. I, I did go to Brazil once for a conference, mm. and I, I learned how to say thank you. So it's obrigado. Oh, obrigado. very good. Kelvin. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. So um, until next time, for TopCast, I'm Tom. I'm Kelvin. See ya.